Hey, good morning. Oh no. <laughs> All right, how's it going? Good? Hey, I have a question for you. Have you ever been blobbed before? Do you know what I'm talking about? Do you know what a blob is? Let me just introduce you to this wonderful creation. Um, a blob is this giant air-filled inflatable. They put it in the middle of a lake. They like strap it into the lake at summer camp and you have to jump on it. So basically, one person gets on one end of the blob and they crouch in this like cannonball position as tight as they can. And then somebody on the other end of the blob jumps on this giant platform onto the blob, which sends the other person soaring into space. It is just as dangerous as it sounds. <laughs> the ultimate goal of the blob is to go as high as possible and also for you to land as awkwardly as possible. Um, <laughs> here is a video. Um, this is me at camp. Luke Webb, one of our juniors here in Student Life, he is blobbing me. I did not want to get blobbed because I'm 28 years old. And at some point, you just get too old for that. Um, but it was worth it. I now have like a slip disc in my back. Um, but it was worth it for five minutes of being the cool youth pastor. Here's the thing with a blob. Blobs, totally uncontrollable. You on a blob are completely at the mercy of the air rushing beneath you. You're at the mercy of the weight distribution between the two people. Um, the teenagers I get to hang out with, they like to make it even more dangerous by making the weight distribution between the two people as much as possible. So <laughs> you are just at the mercy of a blob that is totally unstable. It's totally unreliable. Um, you have no control when you're the person in the cannonball of how far you're going to fly, how fast you're going to go, how hard you're going to hit the ground. You just don't have any control. The blob is unstable. Stable. It's unreliable. You can't put your faith in a blob. You just can't. You can't put your faith in a blob because it's not a firm foundation. It is actually a giant bag filled with air that who knows what's going to happen. You can't put your faith in the blob. It's not a firm foundation. Today, um, we're talking about faithfulness. And it's not the kind of faithfulness that's unsteady or unreliable or not consistent. Um, it's a met faithfulness. That's the word we're talking about today, a met. A met is the last descriptive word found in Exodus 34, 6. So if you remember, we've been in this series called Yahweh. Um, and basically this passage, God is telling his people, hey, this is who I am. And it's not just his attributes, but it's his very nature. It's the very nature of God, and everything that he does flows from it. So let's go back to that scripture as a refresher. Exodus 34, 6. Yahweh, Yahweh, the God of compassion and grace, I'm slow to anger and filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. So Yahweh... If you remember, it means I am. 
So he's saying, I am, I am compassionate, gracious, slow to anger, filled with unfailing love or hesed. You remember Chip's message a few weeks ago. And the last word, and faithfulness. So God's proclaiming who he is. If God had a business card, he would probably just put this scripture on it. Everything he does, um, all of his being flows from those attributes. And the last one we look at is faithful. Yahweh is filled with faithfulness. So I mentioned that word, amet. Can y'all say it with me? Amet. Doesn't sound as graceful as hesed, but amet. It means faithful. Um, It actually is found in the Bible 329 times. Um, And it can be translated as truth, firmness, faithfulness, stability, reliability. Um, At first, I thought it was super weird. Most of the time in scripture, that word is translated into truth. When I think about truth, I think about trivia night, right? Like this statement is true or false, or I can tell a truth or a lie. But I think actually this word true, um, it means that it's consistent, that God is consistent to his character. He's true to who he says that he is. This word amet, it's also where we get the word amen, which you've probably heard from before. Um, Amen actually means that's true. So if you've ever wondered why we close our prayers with amen, it's telling God that that's true. What you say about you, what you say about me, that's true. So when used to describe God, a met faithfulness is absolutely firm, absolutely sure, absolutely reliable. It's God's steady faithfulness to his people that doesn't change. It doesn't waver. Um, It doesn't hide. Actually, his faithfulness stays true to us whether we feel close to him or we don't. His faithfulness, steady, true, consistent. So here, the most important thing that I'll say to you today is this. God's Amet faithfulness is a firm foundation. God's amet faithfulness is a firm foundation. I think we all desire a firm foundation. Um, we want marriages that won't fail. Um, we want jobs that are secure. We want health for us and for our family that won't fail us. Um, we want things that we can rely on that we can trust. Um, I'm from the South. Maybe you've heard this saying before. We want to hitch our wagon to things and to people that won't fail. We don't want to get the rug pulled out from under us, right? Um, Unfortunately for us, and maybe you've seen this to be true in your own life, but on this side of heaven, our circumstances, our jobs, our marriages, our homes, All of those things have the potential to fail us. Jobs are lost. Marriages are broken. Relationships change. Circumstances look different than they did last year. We can't put our faith 
and things that are fallible. But God's faithfulness is a firm foundation. His faithfulness is a firm foundation. It's steady, reliable, and true. So one of my favorite stories in scripture, it comes from the book of Joshua. Um, In this passage, um, Moses has died, which is a huge loss for the Israelites. He's the one that they've been following in their journey out of Egypt. Moses is gone. God appoints Joshua. Joshua is the person who is actually going to lead the Israelites into the promised land. If you remember, they've been wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. And they're finally on the brink of entering the promised land that God had promised their ancestors so long ago. The only problem, they get to the very edge of a huge obstacle. It's the only thing that's separating them from the promised land. That obstacle is the Jordan River. The Jordan River runs right in between where they are and where they need to go. Um, And this river is not like the Salt River, right? It's not um, just a river that they could cross, and maybe they'd get a little muddy or wet, and they'd be fine, and they're going to enter the promised land. It'll be great. Um, This river is at flood stage. So the river is violent. The water is rushing. Um, Some scholars say that the part of the river that they were trying to cross could have been 100 feet deep and two miles wide. So the reality is that they've followed God this whole way, and they're so close. And they see this obstacle that looks completely impassable. And I imagine they're thinking, God, you led us this far. We wandered, and you led us up to this point that we just simply cannot cross anymore. Um, You can see, so Joshua 3, verse 8. They reach the brink of the Jordan, and God tells Joshua something. He says, give this command to the priests who carry the Ark of the Covenant. When you reach the banks of the Jordan River, take a few steps into the river and stop there. Remember, this river is two miles deep, 100 feet wide. God's like, hey, I know this looks completely impossible, but I'm asking you to step into the water, and then I just want you to stand there. And I can only imagine their thoughts. Like, that doesn't make sense. But he tells them to. He says, step into the water and stop there. It goes on in verse 13. It says, the priests will carry the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth. As soon as their feet touch the water, the flow of water will be cut off upstream, and the river will stand up like a wall. So God's asking them to step into his faithfulness. Our God could easily just clear the path for him, for them, and let them cross. But he's actually asking them to step into his faithfulness. If you'll just put your feet in the water then I promise that I will clear it for you. He's asking them to respond to that steady, consistent faithfulness that's true to its promises. And if they'll step into that faithfulness, that he'll clear the way for them. 
And the reality of the river is that they step into the water and either God shows up or they die. There's really no in-between. The ultimate test of God's faithfulness. So Joshua and the people, they step into his faithfulness. Despite the grim reality of the situation in front of them, they decide to step into the water. Verse 15, as soon as those bearing the ark had come as far as the Jordan, the feet of the priests bearing the ark were dipped in the brink of the water. The waters coming down from above stood and rose up in a heap very far away. Verse 17 says, Now the priests bearing the ark of the covenant of the Lord stood firmly on dry ground in the midst of the Jordan. So God told them if they will just step into the water, they'll just dip their toes in the water, that he'll show up for them. That his promise to get them into the, into the promised land would become true because of his faithfulness. And they did. They stepped into God's faithfulness. And he showed up. He revealed his immense faithfulness to, him, to them. The people of Israel quite literally stepped out in faith, and his faithfulness was their firm foundation. Here's what you need to know today. God is always faithful to his promises. He's always faithful to his promises. And it's easy to say that, but when we come up against an obstacle or something hard, how easily does our um, trust in that faithfulness kind of leave us, right? But his faithfulness, it doesn't waver. His faithfulness is our stability when everything else is unstable. So when the water is rushing and the obstacle looks impossible, God says, hey, if you'll just step into my faithfulness, if you'll trust that my emet faithfulness for you is a firm foundation, then I'll clear the way. God's faithfulness is a firm foundation. Psalm 91, one of my favorite passages in scripture, um, it says, he will cover you with his feathers. He will shelter you with his wings. His faithful emet promises are your armor and protection. His faithful promises are your armor and protection. His faithfulness to his promises is what we can rest in no matter what. No matter what the circumstances look like. We can rest in his faithful promises to us. So, how do we respond to that kind of um, stable reliable, consistent faithfulness to us that lasts for the entirety of our lives? How do we respond to that, knowing that our faith so easily wavers? I think just like Joshua and the Israelites, we step into his faithfulness over and over again. We have to step into his faithfulness with faith that he's going to show up. The first step of faith 
It's terrifying. Imagine how Joshua must have felt. The options were step into his faithfulness and God shows up or we all die. After 40 years of wandering, this could be the end. Imagine how scary to take a step into the water and just trust that his faithfulness will show up. But I think as we do that over and over and over again on a daily basis, it's like building blocks of your faith. It's one on top of the other. And eventually you have this fortress of faith that's built up around you because you've seen God's faithfulness come through for you over and over again. So every day, you and I, we have opportunities to choose faithfulness, to trust that what God says about his faithfulness to us is true. Um, for me this week, the opportunity for faith was very ironic. Um, when it comes to preparing a sermon and getting up here and speaking words to you, sometimes I get stressed out that maybe I won't have the right words, maybe I won't communicate the scriptures in a way that impacts you, um, maybe I won't communicate what you need, and I start getting all these thoughts in my head that are just ridiculous. Um, <laughs> and as I was um, preparing this, I got to this point where I was stuck. I didn't know what I was supposed to communicate. I didn't know where I needed to land this plane. And I was communicating that to our summer interns. I was like, I just feel stuck. I don't really know where I'm supposed to go. This topic of faith is so big. It's all over the Bible. I could go any direction, right? And one of our summer interns told me, <laughs> he was like, wow, that sounds like a really great opportunity for faith. And I was like, out of the mouth of babes. <laughs> I receive that, and you're right. It's a great opportunity for faith that if I'm relying on my words and my thoughts to impact you, then they won't. My words have to be God's words, and it, the scriptures say that the one who calls me is faithful. So he'll be faithful if he lets me stand on this stage to give you the words that you need to hear. And it's an opportunity for faith. And it's small. But for us as believers, we get opportunities every single day to mirror God's faithfulness back to him. He gives us this perfect, unwavering faithfulness. And we mirror that back to him with our faith. And sometimes it's imperfect. I waver on a day-to-day -day basis based on how I feel at the current moment. But his faithfulness is perfect. And we just mirror that back to him. So for you, I don't know what these opportunities for faith are. Maybe it's trusting God with your kids. Maybe it's trusting him with your family. Um, maybe it's trusting him that um, what he says about you is true and that he loves you despite your failures. Maybe it's having faith through a job change or sickness or life transitions. There's a million opportunities for faith. Some of them are small and some of them are big. But I think the more that we step into his faithfulness and build on those building blocks of faith, we create a strong 
um, tower of faithfulness in our life that's not easily wavered. Um, there's this great quote by Oswald Chambers. It says, faith is a deliberate confidence in God's character, even when you don't understand his ways. Even when you don't understand his ways. Faith is saying, hey, I'm going to put my feet in the ground and trust that what God says about me and about my life is true. And that his faithfulness to me doesn't waver, it doesn't change, it doesn't go away, it doesn't hide. It's steady. And I'm going to choose to believe that God's faithfulness is a firm foundation for me to build my life on. So I think when you build your life on faith, you choose faith over and over again. There's two major results that are kind of like the fruit that comes out of building your life on faith. Two things. First, our faith endures difficult circumstances. And then second, our faith inspires faithfulness in others. So our faith endures difficult circumstances. So God's faithfulness to you is a met. It's sturdy, unwavering. And he calls us to mirror that same faith back to him especially when our circumstances are difficult, which is actually the hardest time it is to show faith. But those are the moments that our faith is tested the most. He desires that your faith in his promises to you would not change based on the circumstance of life that you're in. That your faith would be unbending, unwavering, underneath um, the weight of something hard in your life. Um, I just think when you've seen his faithfulness over and over again, when you put your faith in him and his faithfulness is returned to you, that over time, each and every circumstance doesn't rock you in different ways, that you stay sturdy. You have an unmet faithfulness because you know that your God doesn't change. Um, for me, some of you have maybe heard this story before, but um, I'm a Texas girl, born and raised. You probably know by how much I talk about Texas, that I'm a Texas girl. Um, and a few years ago, I moved to Knoxville, Tennessee. I had never been before. Um, and I just felt like there was an opportunity there and that God was calling me. And so I had to step out in faith um, that I really don't know what I'm stepping into. I don't know anybody there. I've never been to Tennessee before. Um, but God's calling me to step out in faith. And for me, that move was scary. Um, it was terrifying. felt like the first six months of me living there, I just kept asking God, like, why in the world am I here? I miss Texas, you know? Um, and three years later, um, I'm so grateful for that move. I met my husband there. Um, I learned how to work in student ministry there. I'm grateful for that move. I was able to see God's faithfulness show up over and over again in Knoxville. Um, and then a few years later, when God called us to move to Arizona, 
that leap wasn't so big. I had moved across the country before. I had seen God show up. And so doing it again was a little less scary. I think the same is true of us in our day-to-day lives. If we'll put our faith in him over and over and over again, it becomes less scary. We see his faithfulness um, show up for us over and over again. Okay, second, our faith inspires faithfulness in others. When your life is built on faith, it inspires faithfulness in others. Faith begets faith. When people see that you choose faith over fear, or you choose faith over control, when your children watch you make that choice, or your family watches you choose faith, or strangers see you step out in faith, those things inspire other people to step out in faith as well. There's ripple effects for your children, for your family, for the people around you who get to watch you live a life of faith. God allows us to use each other. Your faith can strengthen mine. My faith can strengthen yours. Your faithfulness inspires faith in others. Um, I can't talk about faithfulness today without talking about my grandfather. Also not sure if I can talk about him without crying, so bear with me. (laughs) Um, My grandfather... We call him Jitso. Um, He was an immigrant from Lebanon, and Jitso is Arabic for grandfather. Um, He passed away just a few weeks ago, and his life is a living testimony to God's faithfulness. I have never met anybody like Jitso. Um, He um, could likely be found... Um, in his recliner, in his living room, reading some devotional by Billy Graham, or he'd be sitting there telling his grandkids about someone random he met at the grocery store that day. Um, He kept this little notebook in the front pocket. I think you can see it in that picture. It's a little notebook in his front pocket of his shirt. Um, And in that notebook, he would meet people, like, at HEB, at the gym, At the doctor's office, everyone he met, he would talk to them, and he would ask them about their family, and then he would commit to praying for them. In that notebook, he would write down those people's names, their spouse's names, their kids' names, and I went through that notebook one time, and there was dozens and dozens of names of strangers, and he actually would pray for them. Um, He was Catholic. He would pray nine rosaries over each of his children um, and their spouses and his grandchildren um, on their birthday every year. He'd always call us and tell us, I pray nine rosaries for you today. Um, And that's a lot of rosaries and a lot of birthdays because he had 21 grandchildren, nine children, 13 great-grandchildren. And that doesn't count all the spouses in there but nine rosaries every year on our birthday. Um, That little prayer card that he's holding up in that picture, um, he would carry those around with him everywhere he went. Um, I have one in my pocket right now. These are all over our house. They're in our books. Um, He would just give them to random people. Um, In that photo, our family's trying to gather for a family photo, which if you know how that goes, 
And especially with that big of a family, it's crazy, right? And he just stands in front of the camera with his card. <laughs> and I love it because that's the perfect, per perfect representation of Jitto. He was faithful to every person who walked through his doors. He was faithful to whatever they needed in that moment. Um, in kind of his final moments, he was struggling through kidney failure and heart failure. Um, so he was on bed rest most of the time. And he'd have nurses that would come in and out of his room all day long. Um, he ended up bringing multiple of those nurses to the Lord. <laughs> I was over there one day and he said, um, he was telling me this story about this nurse that had come to his room. She was helping him shave. And he was just talking to her about Jesus. She ended up accepting God for the very first time in her life. And Jitto, in his amazing sense of humor, he told me, um, I was saving while I was shaving. <laughs> and that's just Jitto. His entire life was built on God's immense faithfulness. Jitto knew. You could see it in the way that he spoke. You could see it in the way that he interacted with people. That he knew and had experienced God's steady, reliable faithfulness to him. Um, near the end of his life, I watched as his faith endured through the most difficult circumstances. Literally pain and death. It doesn't get worse than that. But his faith endured, and he was faithful to the very last moments of his life. Um, I watched as his faithfulness inspired the faith of other people. His faithfulness has been a firm foundation for strangers, nurses, my family, me. My hope for you as you leave today is that you build your life on God's faithfulness. Um, his faithfulness to you it doesn't shift, it doesn't change, and you can always fall back on it. My hope for you is that when you're 90, you have a faith like Jitto, deeply rooted in God's faithfulness, unrelenting, unwavering, steady faithfulness, because you've found to be true that God's faithfulness can be your firm foundation. I'm going to pray. Lord, you are faithful to us, even when we're not. Lord, when we try to take control of our circumstances, um, or we're fearful about what may happen next, Lord, we pray that we would rest in your faithfulness that your faithfulness would be true and steady um, no matter what's happening around us. Let's pray that our families and our lives would be built on you and your faithfulness to us. And I pray that you would give us courage when we waver, Lord. That you would give us um, faith instead of fear, faith instead of control. 
um, that we would press in even deeper to you. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for being faithful in every moment of our lives, Lord. We love you. In the name of Christ, amen.